A reader informed me today that I am saying too much about my personal life in these opening segments of Charlottesville community engagement. That may or may not be the case, and perhaps it's time to turn all of this over to artificial intelligence, and I'll go back to waiting tables and cooking people food. However, that sounds like more work than simply proceeding with the January 29th, 2024 edition of this newsletter on podcast. I'm Sean Tubbs. Beep, beep, boop, boop. On today's program, a boil water advisory in Albemarle County was lifted Sunday after tests showed no bacteria infiltrated the distribution network for treated drinking water. New population estimates are out from the Weldon Cooper Center of Public Service at the University of Virginia. City Council gets a briefing on the initial stages of a plan to create a management plan for downtown mall trees. And an area publication has a new owner and will remain locally owned. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, are you or someone you know a teacher who is looking for a new way to teach environmental science, history, modern methods of exploration, and history? Located in Dardentau Park along the Rivanna River, the Lewis and Clark Exploratory Center has three open houses coming up where educators can find out what services the nonprofit offers to public, private, and homeschool teachers. During the open house events, Educators can participate in hands-on activities and talk with experienced guides about program choices, cost, and scholarships. The free tours are coming up on February 9th, February 10th, and March 15th, and will include the river trails and outdoor classroom. Visit the Lewis and Clark's Exploratory Center's Eventbrite page to learn more. Teachers can also email. There's a link in the newsletter for that. A boil water advisory for the Hollymead area in northern Albemarle County was lifted Sunday afternoon after two days of tests revealed no bacteria infiltrated the line following a water main break on Friday. The broken line was in a pipe owned by the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority that feeds distribution lines owned by the Albemarle County Service Authority. Around 1,200 customers were affected. The advisory was a mandated caution due to the possibility of raw water getting into the network of treated drinking water. Gary O'Connell, the executive director of the Albemarle County Service Authority, said all tests taken from Friday to Sunday morning were negative. More information on this particular story uh, before I post it to Information Charlottesville. The entity officially sanctioned by the Commonwealth of Virginia for providing population numbers is estimating that the Thomas Jefferson Planning District has increased by 3.2% since the 2020 United States Census. The Weldon Cooper Center at the University of Virginia estimates the total population of the six localities last July was 272,011 people. That's up nearly 8,400 from 263,617 in the official federal count. The growth rate is the fourth highest among planning districts in Virginia, behind the George Washington Regional Commission, Crater, and Richmond Regional. Louisa County has led the way locally with a 7.5% increase with a population estimate of 40,434 people with 2,838 new residents since the census. That's the third highest growth rate in the Commonwealth. 
Green has grown 4% since July of 2023, adding 818 people for a total of 21,370. Fluvanna grew from 27,249 people to 28,214, a 3.5% increase. Albemarle's population grew 3.3%, adding 3,753 people for a total estimate of 116,148 people. Charlottesville's growth rate is 0.2% in three years, with an estimated population of 51,132. The Weldon Cooper Center has questioned census data for university towns from 2020, given that the count took place after students had been sent home. Weldon Cooper is instead using the 2020 estimates for localities where 20% or more of the population are students. And Nelson is the only locality in the Thomas Jefferson Planning District with negative growth, with 62 fewer people estimated to live there for a total of 14,713. That's a decline of 0.4%. Hamilton Lombard is the estimates program manager for the demographics research group at Weldon Cooper. He said that rural exurban counties are growing fastest in this Charlottesville area, and that a decade ago, Charlottesville was the fastest growing locality in the region, but since 2020, population has remained flat. Virginia's overall population has grown by 1% since 2020, with an estimate of 8,729,032 people. The locality with the highest growth rate is New Kent County, to the east of Richmond, with an 11.9% increase from 22,945 people to 25,675. Next is Goochland, with 7.7% growth, with an increase from 24,727 people to 26,629. The growth rate was lowest in Buchanan County in far southwest Virginia, with a 5.7% decline, representing 1,164 fewer people since July of 2020. Buchanan is in the Cumberland Plateau Planning District, which had a collective growth rate of 3.8%, or 3,780 fewer people. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and today's second subscriber-supported public service announcement goes out to Camp Albemarle, which has for over 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a Civilian Conservation Corps project that seeks to promote the importance of rural activities. Are you looking to escape and reconnect with nature? Consider holding an event where the natural beauty of the grounds will provide a venue to suit your needs. Visit their website to view the gallery and learn more. Camp Albemarle is the shout out. Two more segments to go today. The city of Charlottesville has hired Wolf Josie Landscape Architects to create a guide to preserving and managing current and future trees on the downtown mall. The work will be done in three phases. Here's the firm's Paul Josie. 
There's a startup phase, uh, as well as a site analysis and research phase, which we're in the middle of now, uh, followed by recommendations um, for what to do in the future. And, and then after we sort of have a consensus from many people, we'll have a final plan, a management plan for the trees of the downtown mall. Recommendations are expected in the summer. The work so far has involved taking an inventory on what's on site. The trees were planted in 1976 by Lawrence Halpern and Associates. That was the first phase, and the second phase was done in 1980, 1980 which is the, the, the sort of the central um, place trees, as well as uh, the end by the movie theater. Those were done in the second phase. Then the Omni was 1985, and then a few phases uh, before that led to the, the re-bricking effort in 2009. And uh, the most current is the area around, um, uh, around the code building, which was done in 2022. Fifteen trees have been removed in recent years due to poor health. Josie said 60% of the trees are willow oaks, with ginkgo trees on side streets and schumard oaks near the pavilion. The data is being collected in a spreadsheet that captures many attributes of each tree and gives an overall condition. Roughly 40% of the trees are in fair to poor or already removed shape. So that's a, a sizable amount of the original willow oaks uh, have already are, are in poor shape and declining shape. The work also informs the potential for trees to fail, a risk that could cause damage to people and property. This risk increases due to damage caused by restaurants that have used heaters to warm up customers in cold weather. Josie said this dates back to the pandemic. Nine of the original 55 willow oak trees were um, impacted by heater use, where the heaters were placed next to the bark of the trees, and that actually burned away the cambium and the tree. Uh, two of those trees have already been removed. The city's Department of Neighborhood Development Services now has rules in place to keep heaters 10 feet away from trees, and their locations must be approved in advance. The next phase will begin to create a plan to replace the trees over the next 20 years, which Josie said will involve diversifying species and planning for a warmer and possibly drier climate. There's also the practicality of maintaining a key area of the city. How does it impact businesses if you have to remove trees and replace them? Um, and, and so how do we really realize you know, the life cycle of these trees and of our downtown mall? City Manager Sam Sanders said a report from the city's downtown mall committee will come out around the same time as the tree management plan recommendations. Finally today, a publication that for 37 years has been dedicated to living in Jefferson's, Virginia, now has a new owner. Cardin Jennings Publishing Company Limited has sold Albemarle Magazine to Summit Publishing, the publisher of Blue Ridge Outdoors and Virginia Sportsman. Here's a section from a press release sent out this morning. For more than 37 years, Albemarle has been a cornerstone in the community, providing insightful and engaging content to its readership. The publication covers lifestyles, and the former owner said the purchase will allow for that to continue. Bill Carden of Carden Jennings said that the acquisition represents not just a change in ownership, but a reaffirmation of the commitment to providing the community with a magazine that resonates with their lifestyle, values, and interests. Blue Ridge Outdoors turns 30 in 2025 and is available from Georgia to Maryland. The president of Summit Publishing is Blake DeMasso. In his section of the press release, he said that with a talented and experienced team by his side, he's eager to build on the foundation that has established 
during the magazine's remarkable history. Terms of the deal were not shared in the release. And that's the end of another edition, number 629, and I'm immediately planning to begin the next one. January has been a very full month, and I'm hoping that this will be the week I finally become prolific. There are over 2,700 people on the subscriber list now, with between a fourth and a fifth of the audience contributing via Substack. Such paid subscriptions ensure that this work can keep going and have me dreaming of the capacity to hire people to assist. To what end? Hopefully, it's a living, and this is the work I've always wanted to do. I enjoy spending my time doing research, and I'm grateful to have this opportunity to share it with an ever-growing audience. Ting has a unique sponsorship arrangement where they match the initial payment, whether it be $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year. Thanks, Ting, and thanks to you for listening. Goodbye, farewell, we'll see you at number 630.